1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Jesse is a man who lives in Bethlehem, and he's from the tribe of Judah. The Lord has told Samuel that one of his sons will be king. The Lord is telling Samuel it's time to move forward. There's no more future in Saul's kingdom. Saul is still king, but his kingdom will end. 7. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And that's because what Samuel does will show the people that Saul has lost favor with the Lord, and Saul doesn't want anybody to know that. So that's why he would kill Samuel. And he's a narcissist, so he hates anybody who comes against him, even if that person is in the right. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. This is the truth, but it's not the whole truth. But God wants him to tell this to people so that he won't be killed by Saul. You know, God is very complex. We can't put him in a box. God cannot lie, and yet he does allow people to not have all of the information sometimes. God withholds information from us sometimes, and he has every right to. He's God. He never lies, but he does withhold information sometimes, and we can't judge him for that. He has every right to withhold information whenever he wants to. If we're obeying him, then we'll know more things, because he will be able to trust us. But if we're not obeying him, there's a lot of things he won't tell us. 3. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will tell thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. God says to Samuel, It's going to be one of Jesse's sons, and I'll tell you which one when you get there. 6. And Samuel did that which the Lord spoke, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling, and said, Comest thou peaceably? Now, this is interesting. Jesse is from Bethlehem. Presumably, David is also from Bethlehem. And we know that Joseph, who was considered to be Jesus' father, was from Bethlehem, which means multiple generations of Judah were born in Bethlehem. And these are the ones that actually came from Judah himself. And that's why Jesus was born there, is because multiple generations before him were born there. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Comest thou peaceably? Because Samuel is a prophet, and if he calls fire down from heaven, it'll come. Everything that Samuel says comes true. And if Samuel says that God is going to destroy you, God will destroy you. So they fear Samuel. So that's why they're saying, are you coming peaceably? Meaning, you don't have bad news for us, do you? When they see the prophet coming, their first reaction is, oh, he could be telling us that God is going to punish us for our sin. That's why they said, are you coming peaceably? Five, and he said, peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Sanctification is when you're set apart only for God. They were setting themselves apart bodily and spiritually just for God that evening. They weren't going to do anything except be in the presence of the Lord that evening with Samuel offering the sacrifice. They didn't bring their personal agenda. 6. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he beheld Eliab. Eliab is Jesse's oldest son. And Samuel said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. 
Samuel thinks it's going to be the oldest son, Eliab, seven. But the Lord said unto Samuel, and Samuel and the Lord are having a conversation that nobody else can hear. The Lord says to Samuel, look not on his countenance, meaning the way he looks, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for it is not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God picked Saul out in part because Saul was tall, and the people would look up to him being taller than they are, and that would give him charisma in front of the people, and they would see him as a leader. But now God is not picking out a tall man. The difference is when God picked out Saul, he knew that the kingdom wouldn't stay with Saul and that Saul was going to be a hard king to teach the Israelites a lesson but his kingdom would not be eternal. The people wanted a temporal king, and their hearts weren't toward God. So God gave them the kind of king they wanted, somebody who on the outside looked very kingly, but his heart wasn't right. But now the Lord is picking out the king who he wants, not the king who the people want. He's picking out a man who loves the Lord and has a heart for the Lord. This is a lesson for Samuel. 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Jesse knows that one of his sons is going to get anointed as king, and neither Samuel nor Jesse know which one until Samuel sees the right one and the Lord tells him. 9. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. This is the third son. 10. And Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. Because Samuel is listening to the Lord, and he'll know when the Lord tells him. 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. Jesse's youngest son was outside shepherding the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Samuel needs to see this son because it wasn't any of the others. It's not a coincidence that the youngest son is watching the sheep because Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And the Bible calls God's children sheep because we are to be dependent on the Lord and following him. And he offers up his life for our protection against the wolves, which would be demons and evil people in the world who are demonized. A good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Pastors today, they feed off of the sheep. They want money from the sheep. But the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, gives to us. He broke the bread and gave it to the thousands. He never asked for a penny from anybody. He's always giving. And that's what a good shepherd is. Now, Jesse's youngest son is also a good shepherd. He's always protecting the sheep. We'll find out more about that later. Remember that Jacob's sons were horrible shepherds. They were terrible. They didn't even watch the sheep. They were carousing, sleeping with prostitutes when they should have been watching the sheep. But Jesse's youngest son is a good shepherd. 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of beautiful eyes and goodly to look upon. David was extremely handsome. Ruddy means red. So he had a copper complexion, like a Native American. And he had gorgeous eyes, really, really beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. The Lord told Samuel, This is the one. 
13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Now remember, the high priest always has to get anointed, and in God's kingdom, the king always has to be anointed as well. And the Bible calls Jesus the anointed one, because the Father in heaven has anointed his Son as king and high priest over all of us. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Once he had anointed David, his duty was done for the day. So he went back home to Ramah, where he lived. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord always rested on David. See, we need God's Spirit in order to do His will, in order to obey Him, in order to do whatever it is He tells us to do. There's no way that any of us can do it on our own. Nobody who serves the Lord can do it under their own strength. God's Spirit has to be with you. So when God picks a king, he gives them his spirit. He gave his spirit to Saul too. He gave Saul full opportunity to be a good king, but Saul chose not to. Now God is giving David his spirit, but David is going to use it, and he is going to be a good king. 11. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrified him. You know, today there's this false theology that nothing evil comes from God. And it's in the charismatic ministries and the healing ministries and the word of faith ministries that God will never let anything bad happen to you. But in both the Old and the New Testament, we see numerous examples of God not only letting bad things happen, but appointing bad things to happen and even causing evil spirits to torment people. God allowed an evil spirit to torment Job, and Job was a righteous man. And there's a verse in the Old Testament that says that people who are blind and maimed are appointed to be blind and maimed. Now, that doesn't mean that God will never heal them. Many of them do get healed, but there is an appointment. God has chosen some people to be kings and some people to be poor, some people to be beautiful and some people to be maimed. He's appointed us. And there is times where he not only allows, but even sends evil our way. It can be to test us, to discipline us, to teach us his ways, to grow us in character. It's for all different kinds of reasons. He knows what he's doing. We don't need to judge him or question him. We just need to have faith in whatever circumstance we're in. Now, a lot of people are sick because Satan has attacked them. A lot of people are sick because of their own sin. They've brought it on themselves. Some people are appointed to be sick for a certain period of time for God's glory so that they and others around them can understand God better and even serve him better. And now God has sent an evil spirit to torment Saul. This is to help Saul understand that he needs to repent. But instead of repenting, he will become more evil. Have you ever known somebody who had a lot of adversity in their life, but they never repented of their sin? When God sends us adversity, it's to cause us to repent. Adversity is so painful when it comes from the Lord, and I'm sure Saul was very pained by this evil spirit. And I've had the Lord discipline me too, and it was extremely painful, very dark days. But thank God I repented, and then God restored me. We have a wonderful God. The only reason he allows us to suffer and even causes us to suffer at times is ultimately for our own redemption spiritually. Some of us need discipline. Some of us need to be tested. Some of us need to learn patience and self-control and long-suffering. 
And it's all for our good, so we need to respond to it in a goodly way and benefit from it. But unfortunately, Saul never benefits from this discipline that he receives. 16. Let our Lord now command thy servants that are before thee to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall be, when the evil spirit from God cometh upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. This evil spirit could have been causing Saul psychological and emotional pain, that it was demonic voices telling him how inferior he was and how he had lost his kingdom. But whenever the worship music is playing, then the evil spirit leaves because the spirit hates God. And in those moments, Saul can realize that focusing on God is relief. But when he focuses on himself, then he is tormented. The lesson here is that Saul should be focused on the Lord instead of on himself. But Saul never catches on to that lesson. 17. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Saul agrees, this sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go get me a really good musician? 18. Then answered one of the young men and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is skillful in playing, and a mighty man of valor, and a man of war, and prudent in affairs, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. This is not a coincidence. This is all through God. That the same boy that Samuel anointed to be the next king is now the same boy who Saul's servants say he would be the perfect one to play music for you because he has the Spirit of the Lord, he's very handsome, he's very wise, and he's a mighty warrior, and he's good at playing. David was a musician. This is David that we're talking about, and he was a great musician, and he wrote the book of Psalms which is a whole book of songs that he wrote as a worship to the Lord. Worshiping the Lord was his hobby, and he did it probably every day of his life. That's how we got the book of Psalms. 19. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son who is with a harp. Now this is the same youngest son of Jesse who was anointed to be king. But Saul doesn't know that yet. 20. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. So he does send Saul his son, but also with a present. And that is the wine, the bread, and the goat. 21. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul makes David his armor bearer. And Saul loves David because David is very attractive. Now, this isn't talking about homosexual love. Saul admires David's beauty and the fact that he really does seem to be a really special person. You know, today in our perverted society, men can't hug, they can't kiss, they can't be friends, they can't like each other, or else they get accused of being homosexuals. And that's just because of our modern perverted society. But in ancient times, men could be really close and have a very close friendship and love each other and kiss and hug, and it, there was nothing sexual about it whatsoever. But in our perverted society, we don't allow that. We don't allow men to exchange a natural, normal affection. We just automatically label them as homosexuals, and we've done that to women too, and that's just a tragedy. But anyway, David is, is an admirable person, and so Saul admires him. 22. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. He sends a message back to David's father, saying, I don't want to return him home to you. I want him to stay with me permanently. 
23, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took the harp and played with his hand. So Saul found relief, and it was well with him, and the evil spirit departed from him. But it only departs temporarily, whenever David plays. And this is because David is playing worship music. How do I know it was worship music? Because David wrote the book of Psalms. The only songs he ever wrote were to God. He didn't write love songs. He didn't write country music. He only wrote worship songs. So when God is being exalted, Saul gets relief from the evil spirit. But then the evil spirit comes back because of Saul's sin. So at this point, Saul doesn't know that David is going to be the new king. And that's why Saul doesn't hate David yet. But when he finds out that David is going to be the new king, that's when the hatred will begin. But for now, David is safe. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 16.